Welcome to this week's message at Corner Bible Church. We're so glad that you could join us. If you'd like more information on our church, you could check us out at our website, cornerbiblechurch.com, or you can like or follow us on Facebook. Now here's this week's message. Thank you for listening. In our text this morning, we're going to be... <laughs> he uh, forgot that he was plugged in and almost took the mic set with him, so... Uh, we're going to be in Luke, Luke 7 this morning. Luke 7 again. Luke 7, uh, verses 18 through 35. But I want to take just a moment, and we only have a few moments together this morning to get through the text. So I just want to take a, a small moment to acknowledge a question that I received from the message last week, which I said at the end of both services that if you had any clarifying questions, to please come forward, and I would gladly ask those questions. And eh, questions, and this lady came forward and said, okay, Pastor Rich, do, are you saying, this was her question verbatim, are you saying that we should vote yes or not vote at all on Prop 3 so that we can show compassion? So to acknowledge that question, because I don't, I don't believe that's what I said by any means, uh, but if she heard it that way, I want to make sure that not everyone heard it that way. And I want to say first and foremost that I said in the sermon that I am against abortion, right? You guys heard me say that I am against abortion. Now, hold on, hold on, don't clap yet, okay? That's not what we're talking about. Not doing this for applause, but I want to acknowledge the question because sometimes it can be confusing, okay? So to clarify again, I am against abortion. We have talked about this. Now, if you've had an abortion, I'm not against you, okay? Clarify that as well. There are two statements that I made at the end of service where people got a little bit confused. The first statement that I said is behind every proposal, there are people. So as we go out and vote for these, remember that our ministry is not to the United States, but our ministry is to the kingdom of God, and the kingdom of God is about people. So we have to be careful and cautious how we interact with those people behind the proposal. That does not mean that you go and vote differently than you're convicted or that the scripture says just to be able to show compassion. But what it means is there's a moment after this happens on Tuesday. There's a moment before and after that the ministers of the gospel have to be ready and active and participants in. Does that make sense? Okay, we have to be ready for that. So that was my first warning that behind every proposal, there are people. We must be careful. And I said this specifically, we must be careful because the scriptures say this in Matthew, that we cannot have hate in our hearts toward people that think differently than you. Otherwise, we ourselves have murdered. Okay, I want to clarify that again. Not that you are full of hate if you disagree with this, not by any means. It's not so much what we're for oftentimes, but how we go about it that matters. That was the first thing. The second thing that I said is laws do not heal people. Only Jesus can do that. Okay, laws do not heal people. Only Jesus can do that. And we have to be careful not to be blinded to the, that fact. Okay, Pastor Mike said this, I believe um, the second song, that God chose you and I, so that his grace might come forth to the world, right? Okay, now there are a lot of people that disagree with us, right? How many of you had a disagreement with your spouse this week? 
Only a few of us, okay? Only a few of us. How many of you have ever had a disagreement with your spouse in general? Okay. So in, in our disagreements, now look, whether it's politically correct or not, we all disagree on a lot of things, right? Even in the house of God, we disagree with how high certain levels are. So we have to be careful when we elevate one thing over the other. We have to be careful. Now, that doesn't mean you vote against your conscience or the spirit that God is directing you to or against the word of God just so that you can show compassion. Paul says, by no means does it say that. But we do, people of God, have to remain people of God in circumstances and situations that we're presented with. Would you say amen to that? So those are my warnings. Those were my warnings to be cautious, to be careful people of God. Because we are in the world, but what? But not of it. Be. <laughs> Let me get his tail out of the way before I break it. But not of it. Okay? But not of it. Let's go into our text this morning. And again, always open for questions. So if you have questions, please come up and see me. We can set an appointment. We can get together and we can talk through those things. The message title for today is When Confusion Persists. When Confusion Persists. Let's read together in verse 18. It says, The disciples of John reported all these things to him, and John, calling two of his disciples to him, sent them to the Lord, saying, Are you the one who is to come, or shall we look for another? And when the men had come to him, they said, John the Baptist has sent us to you, saying, Are you the one who is to come, or shall we look for another? In that hour he healed many people of diseases and plagues and evil spirits, and on many who were blind he bestowed sight. And he answered them, Go and tell John what you have seen and heard. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear. The dead are raised up, the poor have good news preached to them, and blessed is the one who is not offended by me. When John's messengers had gone, Jesus began to speak to the crowds concerning John. What did you go out into the wilderness to see? A reed shaken by the wind? What then did you go out to see? A man dressed in soft clothing? Behold, those who are dressed in splendid clothing and live in luxury are in king's courts. What then did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes. I tell you, and more than a prophet, this is he of whom it is written, Behold, I send my messenger before your face, who will prepare your way before you. I tell you, among those born of women, none is greater than John. None is greater than John. As we look at this text, I have to set a little bit of the background for us, because if we just read this text, we go, okay, well, this is a little bit confusing. What we can see for sure is that these disciples of John are going to ask Jesus a question. Right? We can see that. But what we have to do is set the stage of why they're asking the question. Because in this precise moment, we don't know this, except for reading the other Gospels alongside of this, John is in prison. John is in prison because he had called out specific things within the kingdom Okay. Now, again, separating political from religious in this sense, religiously speaking, to their nation, he had called out a few things that were not going according to the Scriptures. And he was in prison. As he's in prison, he starts to doubt. 
You guys ever been called to something before, and when it doesn't feel like you thought it would, you start to struggle? Anybody struggled before? Where you start to doubt the goodness of God. And in this moment, this is why John is sending these people to Jesus because he's receiving all these things that are happening, but he himself is in prison and he, like other Israelites, uh, Israelites, excuse me, couldn't get that word out for some reason, theologians believe he's struggling with the same identity crisis of what the Christ was actually going to do. What was he going to do? Who was he supposed to be? And after all of these great things that John had done in the name of the Lord, even experiencing the baptism and proclaiming Jesus as the one who was to come after him, whose sandals he could not tie, even after this moment begins to doubt in the deep darkness of his jail cell. And he starts to add some confusion to what he was so certain of. So certain of. In our text today, we're going to talk through three items that we can see in our passage. Okay, Three items that can help us when confusion persists in our own life. The first one is this. Even the strongest among us have doubts. Pastor Davis and I, when Pastor Davis was an intern, and for those of you that still think he's an intern, he's not an intern anymore. Just wanted to get that out of the way. We do get that every so often, just so you guys are aware. So Pastor Davis is a pastor on our staff. He's not an intern any longer. Okay, you Remove that tagline. But when we first started uh, ministry together and he was an intern, he had a church come to one of our youth conferences here, and the entire night of ministry went differently than we expected it to. Now, at one point in this, this night, we talked about doubt. And this church, these, these teens, were all over that statement. Because they were under the impression that you cannot doubt if you are a believer. You guys ever been told that before? There can be no doubts in your faith if, if you are a believer. And, and that would be a lie. We see throughout Scripture, that there are plenty of individuals that are following after the Lord in integrity that doubted His goodness in moments. We see it throughout the Psalms. We see it throughout the text. So again, we have to say so that you can be relieved from this, it's not whether you have doubts, but what you do with them that's the most important. Where you take them. Even the strongest among us have doubts. But let's look at the text again together. Verse 18. The disciples of John reported all these things and John in his depression, in his confusion, in his uncertainty, in the depths of darkness and despair that he was in in prison. And John, calling two of his disciples to him, sent them to who? He packed up his doubts and he sent them to the source of truth. So again, it's not 
so much if you are going to doubt, but what you do with them in those moments of uncertainty, in those moments where confusion persists in your life, what you do with them, where you send them, that's the most important. So he packs them up. And he sends them to Jesus. So again, the first thing that we can see in this passage for what we do in our life when confusion persists, even the strongest among us have doubts. We can doubt. But we must send them to the one who created us. Jesus. The second thing that we can see from the same text is this. We need companions... We need companions that are willing to stay in the thick of it. I know that's not what it says on the board. I summarized it a little bit. We need companions that are willing to stay with us in the difficult times because John is in prison. And I know a lot of well-meaning Christians that say, well, you can't be in prison if you are doing the work of the Lord. Or you can't be doing this if you're in the work of the Lord. If God was with you, you would clearly be blessed. Well, John was blessed by going to prison. We have to be careful in how we say those specific things, but in his blessing and in his doubt, what we see him do is he packs up those doubts, and who's he hand them to first? His disciples, his companions. The people that, are, that have stayed with him through thick and thin, who recognize and acknowledge the work that he's doing in the name of the Lord. Because in his day and time, he was considered weird. I mean, he ate locusts and honey, right? We've heard the stories about John. What's the show that's out now um, that persists, that, or shows the disciples? The Chosen, thank you. The Chosen, right? They call him Crazy John. Crazy John. I'm sure some people call him Crazy John. Because some of the things he was doing were actually crazy so in those moments the people that had stuck by his side believed wholeheartedly that the things he were do, was doing excuse me were from the lord even though they looked a little bit different than the world expected them to look that's a mouthful i know mouthful to hear but there are certain things that we are called to as a people that are going to look completely different and crazy to the world around us. Completely different. Completely kingdom-oriented. Which, to which we, we don't have things that can compute in our heads. You, you ever been asked to do something crazy by your gut? I'm saying gut, you know, foolishly a little bit. We know it's a Holy Spirit but most of the time when we first start listening to the Holy Spirit, we're like, yeah, my gut said. I went with my gut. We start to learn and discern. The necessity of companions is to help you learn and discern. Because you have to know if it's wisdom crazy or just you crazy. You have to be able to tell the difference between the two. So again, the first one, even the strongest among us doubt second one we can learn from this passage is that we need companions to stay with us through the thick and the thin to help us discern 
what is just us crazy, and what is full of wisdom from the Holy Spirit. The third and most important aspect from this passage, now I know I'm rushing, I literally have two minutes. The third and most important part of this passage is that kingdom wisdom doesn't always look like we think it should look. Kingdom wisdom doesn't always look like we think it should look. How many of us have the smart man's complex? We think we're the smartest person in the room. Few of us? All right, thank you for being honest. I do appreciate that. Andrew's not something we have very often anymore. Sometimes kingdom wisdom doesn't always look like we think it should. Because Jesus' people, his people group, the things that he was preaching and proclaiming were different than they thought it was going to be. They thought his kingdom, and I can't say this enough, they thought his kingdom was going to reign then. They thought it was going to be militant. They thought until he preached from the mountaintop, they thought it was going to be a certain way and everything, 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 one more time, everything that Jesus was doing was different than the people expected. I'm not saying that he's going to do that continuously, but you guys have all had things in your life that went differently than you expected them to, correct? The passage where God says he means all those things for your good doesn't necessarily compute with what you think is good. I'm just preaching to myself because I know I've experienced that. Sometimes the kingdom wisdom doesn't always look like we think it should. Now let me read the passage to you. Verse uh, 28, Luke 7, verse 28. It says this, I tell you, among those born of women, none is greater than John. Yet the one who is least in the kingdom of God is greater than he. When all the people heard this and the tax collectors too, they declared God just, having been baptized by the baptism of John. But the Pharisees and the lawyers rejected the purpose of God for themselves, not having been baptized by Him. These are both people of God, right? One accepts it, one rejects it, based off of what they believe is wisdom in the moment. Verse 31, To what then shall I compare the people of this generation, and in what are they like? They are like children sitting in the marketplace and calling to one another. We played the flute for you and you did not dance. We sang a dirge and you did not weep. For John the Baptist, this is important, paying attention here, for John the Baptist has come eating no bread and drinking no wine and you say he has a demon. The Son of Man has come eating and drinking and you say, look at him, a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. Yet wisdom is justified by all her children. Would you as a group of people say John was a chosen one of God? We would say that, yes, after the fact, right? We know all the details, so yes, pastor, I absolutely would. 
On the flip side of that, we would say the Son of Man also chosen by God. Their ministries looked entirely different, didn't they? So men of God are chosen and sent, and their wisdom, lowercase wisdom of the day, their own knowledge, we'll say, said that neither of these men were chosen except for both of them were. One eats nothing and drinks nothing, and the ministers of that time call him a demon. He's got a demon in him. Why? Because he looks completely different than they thought he should look. They were, and he was preaching some hard things that they didn't want to hear. He's got a demon. Now flip the script and you have Jesus on the other side who is, this is not him saying these things about himself. He's reiterating what people are saying about him. But he says he's constantly eating and drinking and partying. Having a jolly old time. He's a drunkard. Can't trust him either. Not of the Lord. You see, wisdom looked different, didn't it? Now, can we say that if we were to have these guys on a lineup before us and we were given the proof as Christians now, take away the Son of Man title, take away Jesus' name for a moment, and you were to stand up. Davis, would you stand up here with me just for a quick second? And we'll close with this. He didn't know this, so thank you for participating. If we had a lineup right here and, and you were to say, well, this guy literally doesn't eat, eat or drink anything. He fasts all the time, spends most of his time in the wilderness praying. And when he does, he, he bugs without knowing it's John the Baptist. He's been baptizing people, calling people to repentance, preaching a little bit of things you don't like to hear. So you got to throw that in there too just to make sure you understand the entirety of the situation. And then on the flip side, I'm constantly at parties, constantly around individuals that are drunk, or having too much of a good time. You guys understand what I'm saying? And they're all people that we would look at as disgusting and sinful. Which one of us would be considered a believer to you? The closest one would be John, right? Or Davis in this sense. But you probably pick someone that didn't hang out with such bad people and wasn't weird, maybe dressed a little bit like the style. We call those today hipsters. You'd probably pick a person like that to represent the gospel, wouldn't you? That was more of a question. Would you? Would you? So we have to be careful when confusion happens because the devil is the source of what? Confusion. The devil is the source of confusion. So when confusion persists, we have three things in our life, and confusion is running rampant right now, isn't it? Fighting against each other, calling each other things we shouldn't be calling each other. We have to be careful. When confusion persists, we have to acknowledge that confusion comes from the devil. That even the strongest among us have doubts. 
We have to have companions that are willing to work through us, even though what we're preaching doesn't always look like what the world is preaching or what some other good, well-meaning Christian people are preaching. Okay, we see that here too. And third, kingdom wisdom doesn't always look like we think it should. So we have to make sure that we discern if it's of our crazy or God's crazy. Guys, follow me? That's what we're after. That's what the Lord is after. And there are a lot of things in between that can be debated. We have to be certain of that. There are a lot of things in between that can be debated. But we need to make sure we call out the confusion and stay straight on the trail of mercy and grace as God has called us to. He's the one that decides justice. He's the one. Let's pray together. Thank you for joining us for this week's message here at Corner Bible Church. If you would like more audio resources, please follow us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or Google Podcasts. Or you can go online and visit us on our webpage at cornerbiblechurch.com.